one quick announcement. Um, last week's CD, the song service did not record. It's a was an error, so just uh, the message is still on the CD. You'll have like a 20-minute blank spot. Uh, then the, the message comes on on track two. So uh, there's nothing we could do. We, we don't have it. If you want the worship service, and Brother Jerry brought a word uh, last week in that worship service, it's online on Facebook. You could watch it from there. Uh, but just the, the first track was gone. We, there's nothing we could do about that. Amen. So that's why you need to be here. You know what? When you're here, there's no technical difficulties from you here. You know? uh, I like technology until you have to depend on it. Right, So let's just go uh, with this message I titled, Understanding the Ten Commandments. And if you notice in your notes, I really didn't get even begin with that. Uh, getting to the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20, which we're going to begin getting into uh, next week. Uh, I just want to kind of lay the foundation uh, this week for that. And... Um, the way this message just came about was just God that put on my heart and my spirit of the tragedies that was going on last week uh, with the two mass shootings. Uh, there was a stabbing in California. Four or five people got stabbed and, and things. And just, you know, hearing all that and then, then watching the news. And it, I don't care. I don't know if you listen to the left, the right, the north, south, east, west, whatever. The down the bayou news, the up the bayou news, whatever. East, east and or west, it doesn't matter. The, the, the thing is, there's lots of arguing going on on the news between the things, but we're missing the whole point. Okay? There's lots of arguing about the fruit going on, and this is what I'm calling it, the fruit of what's going on. There's arguing, should you have a gun, shouldn't you have a gun? Should you have this, that? And reality is, the whole argument is missing the main point of why everything's going on. It's a godless society. Okay, it's a society that is living apart from God, wanting good things, but they're doing things their way and thinking they could fix it themselves. So whether you believe, you know, I believe in some gun control, but I still want to have my own gun, you know, for my protection. Reality is if they go by and they look at... Uh, Everybody that has a registered gun and they come take it from you, you know who's going to be left with guns? The crooks, the ones that will shoot you, okay? That, that's reality, you know, th those things, uh, again, we don't want to make it easily available, but the problem is why? Why are they doing that, okay? On 9-11, did they use a gun? No, used airplanes. Right? There was a stabbing in California. A guy killed four or five people. What gun wasn't used? People will always find a way to carry out a motive in their heart. When they decide in their heart, I'm going to kill and destroy something, they'll find, like the Oklahoma City bomber, a U-Haul truck with fertilizer and blow up. You see, there's a heart problem. There's a condition that we need to realize, and that, that's what I want you to understand. Let, let's just begin with our notes here as we get into this and kind of explain a little bit. Understanding the Ten Commandments, okay? Part of it is uh, what I want to talk about is why. What, why do they exist? And uh, uh, quickly, Hebrews 13, 8, the first thing on your page says, Jesus Christ is, this, is what? 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he said yesterday, what he says today, and what he says forever will not change. You hear me? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how many of you know society changes? A lot of things change in this world. But God's word will never change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're facing different things, but how many of you need uh, know that the answer is still the same? Him. He's an awesome God, and we need to put him back in everything. So if you would, put up Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. I've shared this on Facebook. Notice that, ver- that first word, if. What does that mean, if? It means it's conditional. If you do this, right? Any, anyone ever said something to your child, if you do this, then this will happen, whether good or bad? If you clean your room, you could have cookies and milk. If you don't clean your room, you're punished. Notice what he's saying here. If my people, God's people, if my people who are called by my name, number one, he says, will humble themselves. And the very first thing he says, you need to humble yourself. You need to realize, we need to realize that we need him to help us. That we can't solve this world's problems on our own. We could talk and come up with ideas, but without him, it's useless, right? The Bible says it's not by might nor power, speaking of human strength, human power. He says, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So the very first thing we see is God saying, you need to get out the way. He says, if you get out the way, I'm just paraphrasing it, humble yourselves, and then notice what he says, and do what? Pray. Pray. Prayer puts God to work. You hear me? You could paraphrase it that way. Prayer puts God to work. Lack of prayer keeps God out of it. And God's saying, if you pray, if you pray, he says, and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you do that. But if you choose not to, then God's going to stay out of it. You see, we need to learn to pray more than just talk about praying. I've always, always said this, and I shared the last few weeks was, you know, I wonder how many times when on Facebook somebody says, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, I'm praying for you, that they actually did. Right? They may just click the little prayer hands, and, and just, did, but did they really pray for you? Or did they just say they're going to pray for you? See, there's a big difference between saying you're going to do something and actually doing it. And I think too many times and too, that God's church has fallen asleep. God's people have fallen asleep. They've become used to life as it is, and they've, they fail to pray. You want me to tell you how we empty a, a, a church? You call a prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you won't, won't believe the excuses people got come out with what they have to do at that time. Call a prayer meeting and you'll see everybody go away. But prayer is the very thing that God says we need in life. Jesus was upset with everything going on in the, in, in the uh, temple. And he says, my father's house will be a house of what? Prayer. prayer. So we need to begin to pray. Okay, and I, th- you are one of God's people. You're a Christian. You need to begin to pray every day for our nation. It's up to you, it's up to me, it's up to the body of Christ to pray for our nation and God will then move and heal our land. See? All these amens are good, but if you don't go home and pray, that's all it was. Right? People get excited, people clap when you say prayer, but they fail to do it. So, we see that there. So this is what I want you to understand. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Go to the last (coughs) scripture on your page. I'm going to start from the bottom, then we're going to come back and make our rounds all the way back to this scripture. (coughs) Excuse me. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were a religious group of leaders who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Okay, uh, Sadducees and Pharisees really did not get along except in their common hatred for Jesus. They tolerated each other for their hatred of Jesus to, to condemn him. And the, the Sadducees, and that's how I remember who's who. That they didn't really, they didn't believe in, uh, they didn't believe in angels, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Sadducees reminds me of they're sad, you see. So that's what, that's what makes me remember that. <laughs> I need little mental clicks in my head to help me with that. But they 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 questioned Jesus about something, and he quieted them down. And he says one of them, and uh, so the Pharisees got together, said one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher. What is the greatest commandment in the law? Okay, Jesus replied this. Now, he's referring back to the commandments. How many of you know what a command is not a suggestion? Think about that. A command is a direct order. It's not a suggestion. So when the Ten Commandments were given, it wasn't for the people to say, Oh, I don't feel like this. I don't know about this. I don't agree with that. God says this is the way it is or results come for us. Okay? Let let me put it this way. How many of you in here have children or grandkids? Raise your hand. How many of you in here have no guidelines, no rules? You let your children do completely whatever they want? Nobody? Nobody? Oh, y'all some mean parents. Huh? Right? How many people think serving God is strictly what you can't do? You know, the enemy, Satan has the world thinking that serving God is just a bunch of rules that you can't do. Why do you give your children rules? To make them sad? No, to protect them from dangers that they do not see themselves or are completely unaware of. 
Listen, I could get, we could go get one of those kids in the back out there and tell them, hey, you want to go play on the highway? Hey, that would be fun to them. They would not be able to comprehend that there's a danger in a truck coming, a car coming. Something's going to come and destroy your life if you're there. You see, God knows the big picture. God knows everything going, around, going on, and God has his guidelines not to rule with an iron fist, but it is to protect you from harming yourself, just as you do for your own children. So Jesus replied, what is these commands? He says, the first one, he says, look at that first word, love. That's the key to it all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and the second is like the first. Notice what it starts with. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tells you this. He says, all the law of the prophets hang on these <coughs> two commands. And what we're going to be talking about it's beginning next week is talking about those Ten Commandments. In reality, when you're going to look and study out the Ten Commandments, the very first five of them deal with your relationship with God. And Jesus says the first is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Every part about you. And then the second five of the Ten Commandments actually deal with your relationship toward others. And we're going to break that down and talk about uh, in more detail about understanding the Ten Commandments, what they really are. And what they really are is how we should act in our relationships toward God and toward others. And the reason our world is in the situation it is today, uh, not only our country, but this world, is because they don't have a relationship with God and they are not loving their neighbor like they love themselves. That love is absent. And reality is, until you love God and accept Him as your personal Savior and God's Spirit dwells in you, you will never be able to love your neighbor like yourself. You'll never complete the second commandment until you have the first commandment in order. So the first five commandments deal with our relationship to God. Second five deal with the relationships to others, okay? So understanding what's going on in this world. I believe that most people want peace. They want joy on both sides, right, left, north, south, east, west. Their goal would be for peace. Now, uh, Nathaniel, put up Galatians 5, uh, is it 20? Start on, on 22, verse 22. We're going to come back to verse 19 in a minute. This isn't in your notes. It's something I added. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and if you just ask people in this world, take, leave the fruit of the Spirit out and say, do you think we should have love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness? I think they'd all say yes. Both sides, left and right. But where does that come from? Notice, it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's what comes from Him. And without Him, that will not be there. 
Without the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit won't be there. It, it, the best explanation or example is, is, is God is light, right? Evil is represented by darkness. Now, you need to realize you cannot... The only thing you have control over is light. I can remove light by turning off the lights. I can bring in light by turning on the lights. Darkness is at the mercy of the light. See, I can't tell, hey, Darren, can you bring in some darkness? Bring some darkness in here. All I could ask him to do is remove light. And for too long, America has been asking God to get out of everything. We need you out of the schools. It's offended. We need you out of this. We need you out of this. We need you out of government. We need you out of this. So guess what? When you remove light, darkness automatically comes in. If I want darkness gone, I have to add light. That's the only way. Darkness will not leave or will, will not stay there when light is present. The only way this building is going to get dark is if we turn these lights off. Darkness does not overpower light. Light overpowers darkness. When light comes on, it pushes darkness out. Darkness doesn't push the light out. So we're having an absence of light. So if the Spirit of God, the light is not there, you will not have joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. See, if you got to jump back to verse 19, if you put that up there. <coughs> the acts of the flesh. Remember he said, humble yourself, get yourself out of the way? The acts of the flesh is this, what, what people want are obvious. He says sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. How many of you say, kind of think that sounds more like what the world we live in and then in that peace and joy? Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 22 says, but the, the, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace and forbearance, and goodness and faithfulness. I truly believe most people want to see gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. I truly believe most people want that, but they want to try and achieve that without God. You understand where I'm going? They want that, but they're removing the, they ask the light to be removed, but they still want it to remain light. It just doesn't happen. So as we see in these relationships, it all begins with love. So let's go back to the front of your paper right now. <clears throat> Notice what it says here. We have not received, at 1 Corinthians uh, 2 verses 12 through 16. We have not received the spirit of the what? The world, which produces all those negative things. Okay, he says, we have not received the spirit of the world. Notice there's two spirits here. He says, but the spirit who is from God. And that spirit produces peace, love, joy, gentleness, meekness. 
He says this, that we may understand what God has freely given us. He says, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in, in spiritual words. And verse 14 says this, the man without the Spirit. This is the loss he's talking about. The, the world around us, the dark world around us, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because he, they are spiritually discerned. Then verse 15 says, the, man, uh, makes, uh, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. What he's talking about here of being subject to man's judgment is a good example is Paul when he was in prison for sharing the gospel, for doing what God called him to do. Okay, He was standing in judgment in front of men, but how many of you know what he was doing? He was accountable to God, not to men. Although men may have made judgments. But then on the other side, where he says, you know, accountable to men, too many times I hear people saying, oh, you can't judge me, God is my judge which is they like to use that excuse for their sin in their life. See, in 1 Corinthians, Paul did say something to them. He says, I would like to call you spiritual, but I can't. I have to call you worldly. He says, because by now you should be eating spiritual meat, but he says, all I could give you is milk. He says, I love to call you spiritual, but I have to call you worldly. You see, when, when it's talking about two different things here. And again, if conviction from another Christian comes up in you, I hate to say this, but God, when you stand before God, it's going to feel a lot worse. Many a times I've walked into places that they had somebody that I'd seen maybe at a church somewhere, things, and they were doing something or had something they didn't want me to see. And they became a nervous wreck trying to hide all kind of things. And, and in my, all I could think of myself is, if you, what you're doing you truly believe is not wrong, then why are you hiding it? And if just me, a human being, stands before you and you feel so guilty that you need to try and hide all this, just think how you're going to feel when you stand before God and try and explain it. Let's get going. <laughs> Verse 16, he says, <clears throat> For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, ha we are to have what? The mind of Christ. And other scripture says we are to have the attitude of Christ. And what is the attitude of Christ? Is to be obedient to the revelation that God gives us. Okay, to be obedient to what God's word says. Okay, so notice this. And th this... Psalms 103, Wednesday night <laughs> during prayer meeting, just confirmed again that, that I, was, I was read uh, Psalms 103 several times before that. Then it, it came up in prayer meeting, and it wasn't even me that prayed it at first. And, and it's just stuck. It says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And this right here is what really stuck out. 
and forget not. Circle that right there. Forget not all his benefits. If you're not careful, what happened is when things go so good, we forget where we came from. If you're not careful, if, you know, history is history, but if you don't remember history and don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it, whether it be good or bad. And God's saying, forget not, praise the Lord on my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So what are the benefits of serving the Lord, which goes on to say in verse 3, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, verse 4 says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, <clears throat> who satisfies your desires with good things that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. Re forget not that those things come from him. Those things don't come from what the world could give me. Remembering him. If I want those things in my life, I got to remember him. Personal accountability and responsibility has completely gone in this world. Now, I want you to put up Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, where there is no revelation. Remember earlier, having the mind of Christ means being obedient to the revelation that God gives you, the vision God gives you, the, the purpose that God has for your life is the revelation. Okay, where there is no revelation, where people are godless, not serving God, they don't see the purpose they're here for, they're walking around aimlessly, and what do they do? They cast off restraint. In other words, they do what they want. Where, where they don't see the purpose, where they don't have God in their life and the vision for their life, they go crazy. He says they cast off restraints, but he says, but blessed is the one who heeds the wisdom and instructions, or the other NIV says, that obeys the law of the Lord. But when you refuse, when you don't see your purpose here, when you don't see that he is number one, you'll cast off those restraints. And you'll walk and do the things you want to do instead of living the way he wants you to. Now, let's tie this back with what I was talking about earlier. Personal accountability and responsibility. You see it in the news now. It's always... The blame game. This one blaming that one, that one blaming that one. Everything's blaming something else. And to some blame the guns, some blame this, some blames that. But the guns, the, anything that someone uses is a fruit of the problem. Okay? I want to talk about fruit and root right now. Your orange tree in your yard makes oranges every year. It makes fruit. Okay, I could go pick the fruit, but guess what? Next year is going to make another fruit. I, I, I could go pick all the fruit off right now, get rid of all these things that, that I say I wouldn't want, but guess what? If I don't do anything to the root of the tree, it's just going to keep producing fruit. So you see, we could do away with all, we could pick all the guns, pick all the knives, pick all the bombs off. 
But if we don't do something with the root of the problem, it's just going to produce another kind of fruit. See, that, that's why airplanes were used. That's why poisons are everything. We, can't, we will never win the battle by just picking the fruit. Because a new fruit is just going to grow. It has to be dealt with the root of the problem. We battle not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is a fruit. People are fruit. They're part of the problem, right? These people going around killing people are a fruit of the problem, but the root is that they don't, God's not in their life. The absence of God. That is the root. And as long as they don't have God in their life, another fruit is going to come out. Let's look at this blame game. It's from the very beginning. <coughs> Genesis 3, 11, and 13. And this is what I want you to realize as I'm reading through these things. God deals, looks at the root, and we, we blame the fruit. Okay, notice what it says here. <coughs> he went to Adam after Adam and Eve sinned. And God says, who told you that you were naked? How, and God asks us, have you? Okay. He's bringing accountability. He's saying, I'm, I'm asking you, Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Okay? The man said, look at this. All, all he wanted was yes or no. Did you eat? There's the root of the problem. It, did, was it your heart's desire to eat that fruit? Yes or no, Adam? Let's point to some fruit, Adam says. God, it's the woman. No, I don't want to point at my wife. <laughs> if it's the wife, it's the woman you gave me. Not only her, it's your fault. If you wouldn't have gave her to me, she wouldn't have convinced me, and I would not have done what I have done. So did God say, well, we need to get rid of the women? Oh, that was only a fruit of your problem, Adam. The problem, the root of your problem was in your heart. You desire to eat that fruit. You desire to do what you've done. You can't blame her. You can't blame her for what you've done. You can't blame God. He was blaming God himself. God, I never asked for a woman. You stuck her here. And if you wouldn't have done that, and if she wouldn't have done what she did, I'm innocent. It's your fault. See, he wanted no accountability. It's not me. It's something else. So then God, uh, then man said, the woman that you gave me, go to the next verse. Then the Lord said to the woman, because maybe she could get it right, because I, I don't know what he's talking about. What is this you have done, the woman said. Notice God said, what is this you have done? Accountability? Your fault. And what did she say? The serpent. It's not my fault. It was his fault. He may have tempted her, but it was a decision she made in her heart to do what she did. 
The Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? Quit blaming everything else for the bad decision you made in your life. See, whatever decision you make in your life, when you do something, is because you desire to do it. You can't blame something else. Said the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Then go to the next verse. That, that's what we had here. I'm sorry. Let me get caught up. Yeah, verse 13. Now let's go on a little to the first murder in the Bible. Genesis 4, 6 through 11. Cain and Abel. Notice this. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, and just in case some of you don't know, Cain and Abel both made an offering to the Lord. Cain did not offer what he was supposed to to God. Abel did, and God looked down and accepted Abel's offering, but he wasn't pleased with Cain's offering, and Cain got mad. He says, God says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is uh, but if you don't do what is right, notice what he says. Sin is crouching at your door. It, let's see how it says here. But if you do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and sin desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must, uh, the way it's written in, in the other NIV, it says, but you must master it. And I, this is what I want you to understand. Either you're going to master sin or sin's going to master you. You can't go around blaming everything and everything else on anybody. God says, be careful. Because if you, let, if you open the door to it, it's going to begin to take control of you. Drug addicts have control over their addiction when they first begin. The first time. But as they keep doing it and opening themselves up, what they used to have control over now controls them. So you have to be careful what you allow. He says now, uh, so Cain's upset. He says now, he said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? And verse 10 says, the Lord says this, what have you done? Bringing back accountability. See, God didn't say, well, where's the rock or the stick that you used to kill him? I need to get, get that off the earth. We need to rid the earth of rocks and sticks so this would never happen. No, what God said, what did you do? You see, you can always find a way to carry out a mission that you decide in your heart. You see, there wasn't even a gun invented, but yet a murder was carried out. Again, I know we need some gun laws, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not going into that argument. But what I need you to see is that people kill people. When someone 
chooses in their heart that I'm going to come and bring destruction. Well, if there's not a gun available, they're going to find something else. It will not stop. There will be a new fruit that it will use, whether it be airplanes, whether it be vans. And the, they had the one in New York a few couple of years ago. The guy took the van and drove through the crowd. Are we going to ban? You know, we can't have sticks, rocks, guns, knives, vans, nothing. See, those are just fruit. We got to deal with the root. People always find a way to carry out those desires. Well, I'm going to stop there. It's, it's already 11.04. Let me just read this next part. <laughs> but it says this. <laughs> just in case you're wondering why I watch the time, our CD ends in just a few minutes, and I don't want, it, don't want it, the end of the message not to be there for people. As long as the first part of the message is there, you, you got to watch it last week. <laughs> but notice this. Again, I still got a half hour of stuff here, and I'm just going to continue with this next week. But it says, in fact, understanding the Ten Commandments, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, does that law still stand? Think about this. The Lord said, whatever, uh, where are we? There you go. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything cleansed in blood uh, uh, and without the uh, shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Is that still true? Yeah. It is. Let me tell you something. If you don't accept the blood of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of your sins today, your sins aren't forgiven. You see, the method and the way have changed. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals and things for it. It just postponed the judgment of that sin until Christ died on the cross. But if unless you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your sins, you are still guilty of your sin. So still today, this law is really still true. If Jesus had not gone to the cross and shed his blood, your sins would not be forgiven. So I still, you know, again, this is what I need you to kind of understand. God, people, yeah, we live in the period in the grace, dispensation of grace and things and things, but God's principles are still true. From, the old, from Genesis to Revelations, God's word is a timeless principle through everything. Okay? Do you think God's it's okay to kill people today? Oh, well, I, that's Old Testament. That's in the Ten Commandments. God said, thou shalt not murder. Well, how can you believe that would still be true? It must be okay to murder. I'm in the dispensation of grace. You see, God's principles are timeless. That's still true today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your sins will not be forgiven and you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That I need God's forgiveness still today. We've all fallen short. 
of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this room that did not need the blood of Jesus. The law of God does not save you. It only makes us aware of sin. See, and I was going to get into scripture and we're, we're going to talk about it more next week. But it says that what the law was powerless to do. And when it talks about powerless to do, was, it meant to change a person's heart. Okay? It means that that desire that God, God laws are laws, okay? We, we, the United States have more laws than every other country in the world. Probably put together. But yet we have a prison, prisons filled with people. Why? Because laws don't change people's heart. So we could add as many laws as we want on the books to stop murder. But until a person's heart changes, we're just going to be putting more people in jail. You see, that's what God wants to do is change the person's heart. What the law was powerless to do, it doesn't mean that the law was wrong. Thou shalt not murder is still thou shalt not murder. But to change a person's heart from being a murderer to a lover of people, to loving their neighbor instead of hating their neighbor, that's what the Spirit does inside of us. I ask if everyone would just stand right now and just... I know I kind of rushed through this part, and we're going to pick up on this aspect of it next week. Um, let's just pray. And I just want to ask if there's anyone in here that's never given your heart to the Lord and accepted the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ, as knowing that God so did what? Love. God so loved the world. The Bible tells us that that if you're not for God, you're an enemy of God. And while we were yet sinners, in other words, while we were enemies of God, God still so loved us that he sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And salvation is a gift of God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But God offers it anyway. And it's that gift that you have to receive. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I just want to encourage you to say this simple prayer with me right now. And I just encourage everyone to do this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I accept the gift of salvation and I invite Christ to come into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.